This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. It was C.S. Lewis who first said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. Pain and suffering are God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God whispers in our pleasures, He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. From the world's perspective, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. From a Christian perspective, suffering is not an interruption, but rather a mysterious introduction to the grace of God. The passage that David just read a moment ago, James 5, 7 to 12, doesn't provide an exhaustive treatment of pain and suffering, but it does offer bits of advice that I think are really, really helpful. And James begins by saying, first of all, be patient. When you experience pain and suffering and disappointment in your life, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. The Spirit-inspired advice that James gives to these poor and suffering believers comes in the form of, a, of an exhortation or command to be patient. And, and since the Lord has not yet come, uh, I believe this command also applies to us. We need to be patient in the midst of suffering and, and trials until the coming of the Lord. We learned last week from James 5, 1-6 that these rich landlords were hoarding their wealth, they were dishonest in their business, and they were self-indulgent to the core. Right? And, and the scripture said last week that they, they even failed to pay the workmen uh, for mowing the fields. They, they withheld uh, wages from honest men who worked in the fields. And, 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 and then what, does James, what, what advice does James give to these people who had to put up with all that stuff? He says, be patient, my brothers, until the coming of the Lord. He doesn't say, retaliate, get even, get back, get, give them their due. He says, be patient. <laughs> Wish he'd have said something else. <laughs> be patient? Be patient. Now, practicing patience is not the same as passive resignation, you know, just giving in to fate. No, it, 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 it's a... It's rather an enduring, expectant, hopeful, persistent, optimistic waiting for the Lord. And so to help them understand, James provides an illustration in verse 7. He says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. How many of you understand that? How many of you have got farm in your background? A little bit. How many of you have been to a farm? Okay, there we go. <laughs> you know, as the years go by, the number of people who have farming in their background diminishes. The autumn rains in Palestine would come in October or November, and 
Without these rains, the farmer's seed would not germinate. The late rains would come in April or May, and without those rains, the grain would not mature. You see, that's just the natural process. People who have been on the farm or maybe even been to a farm understand that it takes time and you, you just have to wait. You put the seed in the ground, you, you hope it rains and pray it rains and you hope the sun comes out and, and you, you just have to wait. There's nothing more that you can do. Fix the machinery, get ready for the harvest, feed the cows and chickens and pigs and bother your wife, you know, all of that stuff. But the farmer has to wait. It's a natural process without which there can be no harvest. Trials and difficulties and pain and suffering represent a supernatural process ordained by God without which there can be no maturity, no fruit, no harvest. So every follower of Jesus must patiently submit to God and wait. And that's never easy. Someone has said the soul has no rainbow if the eye has no tears. So we wait. We, we just wait. But we wait in hope, knowing that Jesus knows what He's doing. Amen? And His timing is always perfect. We wait. We wait in hope. So the second bit of advice that comes from this passage to us who may be suffering or dealing with disappointment comes in verse 8. Stand firm. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, says the ESV. Other translations, stand firm. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. So I think James understands that patience doesn't come easy. It didn't come easy in the first century when he's writing this letter. It doesn't come easy now. It's never been easy to, to be patient and wait in a time of suffering. So he repeats his command. Just in case we missed it, verse 7, be patient. He says in verse 8, be patient. Like he's talking to his children. Parents have to repeat themselves every once in a while. Remind their kids. James is saying, be patient, verse 7. Verse 8, be patient. Stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. That's why. I, I mean, we, we've been expecting Jesus to come ever since He ascended to heaven, right? This is, the, this is the waiting for the second advent of Jesus. Ever since He went to heaven, we've been waiting. And one of these days He will come. But in the meantime, we're supposed to stand firm. We're supposed to be steadfast. We're supposed to establish our hearts. And, and, and remain steadfast to the Lord. Establish your heart means that you hold on for dear life. And you, you soak yourself in the Word of God, which is able to build you up and keep you from falling. The Bible says. Standing firm means you, you keep on praying, even though the answer seems still so far away. You have something that you're praying for this morning? You, you, you prayed fervently for a long time, but you've kind of given up because it's been so long. I picked up one of my old Bibles the other day, and I'm a marker, you know, so one Bible doesn't last me long. It gets full of notes and marks and all that sort of stuff. And alongside of a promise in the Scripture for my sister, I put 1977. Still waiting. 
And it reminded me to pray. Keep on praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Establish your heart. Remain steadfast. That means that we also don't compromise. We don't compromise at school or at work. We, 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 we stand firm. We don't give in. We don't give up. We don't quit. Standing firm means you don't lower your standards and start... There's no handsome Christian guys around, so you start dating a non-Christian guy who lures you off to the world. Don't do it. 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 Stand firm. Standing firm means you don't give up on God when your spouse gives up on you. You stand firm. Standing firm means adhering to the faith in the midst of the trial. Why? Because it's easy? No, because the Lord is coming back. That's why we stand firm. The church has been waiting and watching for the second coming of Jesus ever since Jesus ascended to the Father. We don't know the day or the hour when He will appear, but we do know that Jesus is coming back, and so we stand firm, ready for His appearing. James goes on to say in verse 9, Do not grumble. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Ouch! <laughs> Aren't you finding James? I mean, it's, he's such a prickle, isn't he? You, you can't read James, but you get uncomfortable. There's something in this book every week or every time you go to the next paragraph that you get. Oh, again! It's like, take me with another spiritual two-by-four. Knock me upside my head. That's what this feels like. More and more researchers are finding that gratitude doesn't just make you feel like a better person. It actually promotes better health. You're just a healthier person if you're a grateful person. I read a series of studies this past week in prepping for the message. One study demonstrated that gratitude can actually lower blood pressure, improve immune function, and facilitate sleep. So be happy. Be, be grateful. Uh, another study from the University of California found that people who were more grateful actually had healthier hearts. They had better heart health. Uh, another study showed how gratitude led to a reduced dietary fat intake and so grateful people lose weight faster. There's one for you. Huh? You've been looking to shed a few pounds? Well, be grateful. Express your gratitude to others. <laughs> and finally, they discovered that practicing gratitude daily could actually reduce the effects of brain aging on the brain. I'm signing up for that one. No more aging of the brain. Just be, just be grateful and, and... Yeah. Bottom line, don't grumble against one another brothers. James 5.9. Instead, be grateful. Be grateful. Let's not grumble against each other because this kind of grumbling merits the judgment of God who is standing right at the door. That's what the scripture says. <gasps> if you grumble against your brother or sister in Christ, you're going to face the judgment. That, that's really what this means. So we've got to be careful with our words and how, to, how we speak with one another. To, to help us resist this grudging spirit, then James gives us a couple illustrations. First, he directs our attention to the Old Testament prophets, and then he looks at Job, verses 10 and 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Well, what happened to some of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord? They were, they were ridiculed, they were mocked, they were run out of town, they were, they were killed. 
they were stoned, wasn't very happy. You know, they were, they were suffering uh, for the name of God and, and, and for what they did in His name. And yet they remain steadfast. So look to their example, he says. And, and, and then there's the example of Job, verse 11. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Well, it, wait a sec. If you remember the story of Job, Job lost his family, he lost his house, he lost his livestock, he lost everything. He had, he had nothing left. And yet the scripture says he was steadfast. Job was persistent in his faith. I'm sure there were agonizing questions that tore at his heart. How can you go through something like that in life and not have questions? Agonizing questions. But even though he wrestled and struggled with God, the flame of his faith was never extinguished. He didn't go that far. He, he, he remained steadfast in his, in his belief about God and, and God's plan for his life. So remember the prophets, remember Job, and be patient instead of grumbling against one another or blaming other people always for your trouble. Just be patient. One more piece of advice from verse 12. Do not swear. Now that sounds like a funny thing to say, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background to this in just a moment. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So we've, we've just learned that the blessing of patience and suffering can be quickly depleted by grumbling, but it can also be jeopardized if we make oaths that we can't keep or promises that we can't keep. And the Jews were great ones. Here's the background, the context in first century Palestine. The Jews were great ones for making oaths or making promises uh, to back up their statements. Uh, they would swear that something was true by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or by the temple or even by their own heads. And I think the main point of verse 12 is that true character requires few words. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, if you have integrity in your life, then you should be able to just say yes or no and people trust you. Your words should be enough. You shouldn't have to back up by saying, I'm being honest here. That's a form of an oath. You know, to be, to be perfectly honest. Well, I, I hope you'd be perfectly honest all the time. Do you mean you're only honest when you actually say to be perfectly honest? Is that the only time that you're honest? Well, no, but we've, we've just en en encapsulated this idea of, of making oaths, making a promise when we, when we say something is true. Just, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You want to have enough integrity and enough... enough um, Enough integrity. I can't think of another synonym. <laughs> you ought to have enough integrity to just be able to say yes or no to people and they trust you. But that's, that's the truth. Shouldn't have to back it up with an oath or a promise or a guarantee of something. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, ought to be enough just to say yes or no. 
Remember the quote from C.S. Lewis we started with? God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to our consciences. But He shouts in our pain. Pain and suffering are God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If that's true, then I wonder if maybe, maybe God is using your pain, your suffering, your disappointment, your discouragement, your Sitzimlieben, your situation in life, to rouse you. To do something, to speak to you. Maybe we're not listening as we should. Maybe we're not hearing the voice of God because we're totally preoccupied with, with whatever. Would God in His sovereign plan and will for our lives possibly use suffering or pain or disappointment to get our attention? And, and, and keep our attention... Absolutely. I, I believe that with all my heart. A Christian's suffering is never meaningless. We, we have to believe that. That what we're going through is not meaningless. Maybe it's a result of sin and therefore the meaning or the purpose of that is to draw us to a place of repentance and trust in God again. I don't know. I can't pretend to know what God's purpose is for your life or mine, for the stuff that we go through. And we go through stuff, right? I always feel like a part of me is, is not here on Sunday morning when my wife and Jamie are not here. But Jamie had another 30-minute seizure yesterday, and we don't have caregivers on Sunday, so Patty stays home with her. So 66 0.6% of the Leno family is not here this morning. Suffering? Yeah. Does it have a purpose? Does it have a, an end? I, I think so. I'm just not sure that I can stand here before you this morning and say what it is today. Sometimes the reason evades us in the moment, right? We look back a week or a month or a year or a decade and say, Aha! That's why that happened. I, I understand now, Lord. Thank you. But as sure as I stand here today, I declare that a Christian's suffering is never meaningless. There's always something in it for us. Do you believe that? Yes. Some of you need a little more convincing, but that's okay. You, I, think, I think you'll... You'll get there. You'll get that. It's, uh, our suffering, our pain, our disappointment, the discouragement, the, the, the betrayal, whatever it is, there is meaning behind it. Because God is in control of my life, it has to have meaning. There has to be purpose there. Whether He chooses to share that with me or not.
God is at work all around us. And He can and He does work in and through our troubles. And so be patient, my brothers and sisters. Be patient as we wait for the Lord. Be patient in the midst of your struggles. The valley you're going through today may be, may be dark and it may be deep and it may be long, but you're not alone. You're not alone. The author and perfecter of our faith went before us. He endured the scorn and the shame of the cross for us so that He's already been there. He's already experienced all of that stuff. He's experienced the pain of death and, and, and discouragement and betrayal. He was mocked and beaten. One of the men who sat with Him in the Last Supper, one of His chosen twelve, betrayed Him to the death. So He knows. Whatever you're going through, whatever I'm... He knows. He, he gets it. Hebrews 4 15 makes it clear to us that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Thank you, Lord. Because in every respect, in every major area of life, he was tempted as we are, yet he did not sin. So, so he's, the, he's really the only one who can lead us through the valley to green pastures again. He's the only one who can show us that there is meaning and purpose to whatever it is we may be going through today. He's the only one who can really provide the meaning and purpose for the set of circumstances that seems to be so heavy in our lives. 1 Peter 2.23 When he was reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Aha! There's a clue. There's a clue as to how we can handle the stuff that comes our way. The pain and the suffering and the betrayal and all the rest. He continued entrusting himself to the Father who judges justly. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing us how to do this. Thank you for providing the way for us. We may be sorrowful, but always rejoicing. Because the grace of God is available to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. So be patient, my brother. Be patient, my dear sister. Oh, be patient, I plead with you. Be patient. Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. And He knows. And He cares for you. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's entrust ourselves to Him who judges justly. Will you? Let's do it together in prayer. Father, we thank You this morning for this powerful, precious, and purposeful word to us from James chapter 5. And yes, Lord, there are people, there are many people in our church family who are suffering, who are in pain today. Some physical pain, some of it's emotional, some of it's due to a broken relationship or two or three or more. There are a lot of reasons why some of us are living in brokenness today. 
it hurts and, and we're just so long for relief. But the clue that you've given us this morning, the clue that has been dropped on the pathway of life toward holiness and truth, is that we should entrust ourselves to Him who judges justly. And we do that. Humbly coming before you, Lord Jesus, repenting of our sin again today, asking for your forgiveness again today where we've blown it, and declare to the seen and the unseen worlds through our audible prayers and our heart's silent cries that we're going to just entrust ourselves, entrust our lives, entrust our families to the one, the only one, who judges justly. God our Father. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.